Welcome to GovCast, connecting with federal IT's top decision makers. I'm your host, Amy Kluber. Tax season is upon us, and thankfully for some, that season is stretching even further during the latest pandemic-related easements and filing deadlines. Something that has been underway rather behind the scenes has been a broad-sweeping tech modernization of systems that have hindered the IRS from being as efficient as it can be. Dealing with extremely manual processes, paper files, systems that didn't communicate with each other. In came the new Enterprise Digitalization and Case Management Office last summer, the latest effort in the agency's overall modernization journey. Mitch Winans, senior advisor in the office, who previously had roles in procurement and customer experience at the agency, opened up to us about the latest progress the office has made in efforts to vastly streamline the experience taxpayers have when presenting issues to the IRS. Not only is the office working to digitize and automate paper processes, it's working to modernize its 60 aging legacy systems. Winans has a unique look into the procurement and customer experience lenses that are impacting this office, and he briefs us on its recent accomplishments and what lies ahead. All right, Mitch, thanks so much for joining us on GovCast. Great to have you. Yes, you too. Thanks, Amy, for having me. So tell us what you do at the IRS and what are some of your tech priorities? Sure. So uh, currently I serve as a senior advisor with the IRS's Enterprise Digitalization and Case Management Office. I specifically focus on our digitalization portfolio and I'm responsible for organizational development and strategic planning and initiatives as we build our new team. To give you some background on our new organization, the the Enterprise Digitalization and Case Management Office was stood up in July of 2020, so I think we're going on, what, about eight months now. But the mission of the office is to enhance the taxpayer and IRS employee experience through modernizing and consolidating systems, simplifying business processes, and empowering taxpayers and IRS employees through rapidly resolving issues through simplified digital tools and digital environments. So essentially, our team is a customer experience, data management, and process improvement office all wrapped up into one. So so from there, our team explores quite a few different technologies and approaches that we think can help us tackle some of those big enterprise challenges, such as legacy systems or siloed applications or disparate data that's coming in in different formats or locations, COVID uh, limitations and constraints and safety priorities for us and for taxpayers and employees. So essentially, more broadly, our, our team is looking at What's the best combination of policy and business process and technology that can help meet taxpayers and employees where they are, and then also fulfill some of our strategic goals and create a more digitally driven IRS? Fantastic. And that's definitely important work considering it touches literally every person in this country paying taxes. So, you know, I can certainly hear the importance of modernizing technology to make some of those processes happen. But standing up a new office in the middle of a pandemic, I want to say that it didn't go unnoticed, but <laughs> did it kind of get like washed into the the fray of the chaos that was 2020? Sure. Yeah, that's a great question. Yeah, definitely uh, building a new organization at any time is difficult, but uh, <laughs> certainly during the worst pandemic in the century and, and in a completely virtual environment makes it uh, extra difficult. It's kind of like a, a colleague put it to me earlier. It's kind of like standing up a new organization during COVID has been like trying to build a new car while we're already driving it. And we're also trying to maintain it. And then we're also trying to innovate and add new features all at once. So it's kind of a, a weird uh, dynamic, but it's a great question you asked. And I think there were a few 
there were several motivating factors for standing up this new enterprise digitalization and case management office. So to share some examples, first was the legislative influences. For instance, the Taxpayer First Act was legislation that was signed into law in 2019. Uh, and that, that legislation is focused on improving customer experience for taxpayers, but also taking a hard look at the IRS internally and how can we modernize some of our operations and some of our tax services and enforcement functions and things like that. Also, the 21st Century IDEA Act was another piece of legislation that focuses on all agencies need to modernize and improve service delivery to citizens. In addition to the legislative requirements, there were also some government-wide mandates that influenced the creation of a new office. For example, the president's management agenda and some of those cross-agency priority goals, for example, um, helping federal employees shift from low-value to high-value work. That's really looking at automating some of those manual, redundant, time-consuming processes wherever possible. Also, um, again, in, in improving customer experience and the delivery of services to citizens, also modernizing the workforce for the 21st century. There's some really, really great cross-agency priority goals and language in the president's management agenda. Also looking at the federal data strategy and how can we leverage data as a strategic asset and use it to make better informed business decisions and improve things for employees and for taxpayers. So another reason was also taxpayers and the practitioner community, the tax services industry. They've been verbalizing several challenges and several requests over the years. So I think that also influenced the stand-up of our office. Um, in addition, employee challenges and requests. Uh, some of our best ideas come from most of our best ideas come from IRS employees, the people that are on the ground, the actual end users and the experts of some of our different policies and business processes and technologies. So, so that was another key motivating factor. And then of course, as you alluded to, I think COVID was really uh, um, one of the most important factors that really kind of pushed us over the edge to creating the new team. So I think of that quote that uh, necessity is the mother of invention. Uh, and it's very, very true here with COVID beginning last spring and Really, uh, um, I have to commend our leadership at the IRS and Treasury for really focusing on and prioritizing keeping taxpayers and our employees safe, but also making sure that we fulfill our critical tax administration duties and funding uh, democratic government and institutions. As we've seen, the government is playing an instrumental role across the country and across the globe in responding to the pandemic. But then also the pandemic really highlighted that the disadvantaged and vulnerable people in our population have been hit hardest by this, whether in terms of health issues or financial issues or just uh, emotionally, it's been very, very difficult for a lot of people. So the IRS has stepped up in different ways. So most recently, the American Rescue Plan, the recent stimulus package that was signed into law, the IRS partnered with the Bureau of Fiscal Service and other treasury components for issuing that those third round of uh, economic impact payments. So I think even when that was signed into law within the first week, the IRS helped administer over 90 million economic impact payments that were worth over $242 billion. So the numbers are pretty staggering. Um, and even going back to last spring of 2020, under the CARES Act, the first round of economic impact payments, the IRS eventually helped administer over 160 million economic impact payments that were worth over $275 billion. So really, really trying to support the American population and do our part from a tax services standpoint. Another example is increasing the, or extending the tax filing deadline. Last year, the tax filing deadline was extended to July 15th of 2020. That was the longest tax filing season in history and the latest deadline date in history. This year, we uh, did it again, extending it to May 17th of 2021. So all while still collecting the normal revenue that the IRS needs to do. Last year, I think we brought in $3.5 in revenue, had about 
over 400 million in refunds of taxpayers while processing over 240 million uh, returns. So lots of documents coming in and out. So long story short, I think the IRS is really recognizing that it's important to show the public support in a time of crisis when it matters most. And establishing our new enterprise digitalization and case management office is an example of the IRS doing its part and trying to meet taxpayers and employees where they are. Amazing. Certainly no small feat. And, you know, I'm sure you could have dove into so many details there about what all of that entailed. But Mm -hmm. the fact that you, you know, comprised that into two minutes was amazing. But it definitely, (laughs) despite the time, it, it certainly sounds profound. But, you, you know, this isn't your first entry into the IRS. You've been at the agency for several years. Is there anything from your prior role that you feel has contributed to this new post and these new strategies? Sure, sure. Uh, absolutely. Thanks for asking it. So, yeah, I, I just joined the uh, IRS Enterprise Digitalization and Case Management team in August of last year. So prior to that, I was the head of customer experience and strategic planning for the IRS Chief Procurement Office for about three and a half years. And so that was a, a great role that focused on strategic planning and, and process improvement and technology exploration and integration. I think a few things that I always remember from that role and that I keep close with me in my new role is that procurement is really the link between public policy objectives and the programs that fulfill them. It's procurement's a very critical and often misunderstood or kind of undervalued role. So it really reinforces that all federal employees have to be good stewards of tax dollars and safeguard the public's interest in the government's contractual relationships and really, really prioritize that. But my experience in the procurement organization at IRS and also previously at the Department of Commerce and Department of Homeland Security really highlighted that it's a target-rich environment for integrating emerging technologies and to improve or automate some of our processes or better leverage our data. So I think the procurement space, for example, really illustrated that there are many important but very manual and time-consuming and redundant processes, and they're perfect candidates for automation and looking at things like robotic process automation or more sophisticated tools that have a cognitive component, intelligent automation, and AI and machine learning and natural language processing, things like that. So so that was a, a great laboratory to kind of learn and experiment in that space before coming to my new role. Also, the, the last point that I really think about uh, what I learned from my previous roles in the procurement space is that partnerships are crucial, both internal with the IRS, building those coalitions with other business units or other employees, but then also externally, kind of really understanding who our customers are, not only taxpayers and the, the tax practitioner community, but also our industry partners. We're literally not authorized or appropriated to do our jobs on our own. We're mandated to partner with the private sector to fulfill our mission. And particularly standing at this new organization and, and focusing on digitalization, I know that we won't be successful without those robust, meaningful strategic partnerships with industry. So that's another lesson that that I value very greatly, and I'm glad that I've been able to take with me so far with the new role. Amazing. It certainly sounds like you have a lot of work ahead of you, you know, looking into, it hasn't even been a year yet since the office was stood up, looking into some of the short-term goals that you want to hit, you know, what are some of those things that are coming down the pipeline? You mentioned automation, there's a lot going on with COVID right now. What are some of the things that your office is looking at doing? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Great question. Yeah, so many things. Hard to uh, hard to narrow that and prioritize, right? So <laughs> I think um, a big part of it is, is our new organization will really eventually become that central point of coordination for the IRS to identify and prioritize and then actually implement and sustain digital initiatives across the agencies. So right now, certainly in the early stages, focused on building the organization structure and getting the uh, appropriate team members on board and 
some appropriate industry partners to help us build that foundation. So certainly looking at kind of the program management and governance structures, how do we build that innovation pipeline for assessing opportunities, engaging with stakeholders, any sourcing that's needed. Also looking at how do we do rapid prototyping and piloting. And then when we do find something that shows promise, how do we scale it across the enterprise? And then likewise, when we work on something and it doesn't show promise, how do we stop and pivot in another direction uh, with those lessons learned? So from that, I think another key area is the digitalization team specifically has really formalized its three strategic goals or main focus areas. So to share a little bit more about that, the first strategic goal for digitalization is to reduce the paper volume or paper intake across the IRS. So that's looking at um, paper that's incoming or paper that's internally generated with uh, from IRS employees or business units or paper that is externally sent from the IRS to other uh, entities, the National Archives and Records Administration and those federal record centers, for example, is another legislative or government-wide mandate. The second strategic goal for digitalization is looking at how do we increase our access to digital data or uh, machine-readable information. So looking at how do we convert paper-based information into a digital format, um, and then how can we look at things like different types of data, images, voice, e-filing, electronic documents, uh, how do we increase the availability and accessibility of, of all that? And then uh, also making sure that we're on the forefront of the technology curve and really understanding what's possible in the technology space, not only the products or the tools that are out there, but also what are the different business models, what are the pricing structures, what are those uh, agreements and relationships look like between uh, the public sector and the private sector. And the third strategic goal for digitalization is to help prepare the IRS to effectively manage and leverage digital data particularly in the coming years as we kind of wrap our hands more around all the data that we have and, and actually try to analyze it, categorize it, classify it, transfer it, put it in the hands of the right end user and actually make meaningful use of it to make better informed business decisions. So a lot of that is, again, touching on the business process stuff, policy stuff, but also the change management and training and socialization component for IRS employees and some of our stakeholders. So, so there, there's quite a bit wrapped up into that. But to share a few examples, I think of some of our successes so far, some of our pilots to highlight the case management side of the Enterprise Digitalization and Case Management Office, for example. In uh, late 2020, they migrated their first business process into the new agency-wide case management platform. So essentially, that's an organization that is developing and deploying an agency-wide platform for managing all the cases that comes in that the IRS has to manage. So any type of transaction or project or item that needs to be opened or closed for a taxpayer, essentially is the goal is to bring that into that more modernized and consolidated ECM platform. So again, at the end of 2020, the office partnered with the tax exempt and government entities division of the IRS, and they have a correspondence unit process where that office essentially intakes about 30,000 pieces of paper mail per year. Um, and the employees have to manage that. They have to research the documents, look, review the questions, research answers, so they can respond to the taxpayer's question. And they're often looking in multiple IRS systems before finding the information that they need to respond quickly and accurately. So now that process has been integrated into the enterprise case management platform, and it's really already showing dividends and driving some of those efficiencies and saving time and saving money and improving compliance and increasing the accuracy of those responses and enhancing the experiences for everybody involved, which is great. To highlight a few examples from the digitalization side, 
some of those categories of things that we're looking at. So an example of a policy success or initiative that we have on the digitalization side, for example, is we're looking at uh, records retention periods for different IRS forms. So for instance, we're trying to identify options for reducing a couple forms that currently have a 75-year retention requirement. So paper documents are literally stored in boxes inside of caves <laughs> or uh, storage facilities across the country. Very important for us to hold on to those records, but takes a tremendous amount of time and money and energy to store those. And then when we do need to access them or transfer them, there's again an additional cost and definitely brings them into mind, you know, what is the value that we're getting from those documents? Can we look at reducing the records retention period to save some of that time and, and money and focus our efforts elsewhere while still maintaining compliance? Uh, another example of a policy initiative is to look at extending some of those COVID flexibilities, such as electronic signatures, more permanently. We certainly try to respond to the emergency with the uh, economic and public health crisis last spring when it started. But again, we're trying to look at how can uh, how can we maybe continue some of those flexibilities as we've received a lot of positive feedback from taxpayers and IRS employees. Moving on to another example in the business process space, some initiatives that we're looking at, for example, are exploring more e-filing and even a 2D barcode capabilities for a couple of IRS business units. So looking at how we can uh, take some of those paper-based documents or more uh, manual channels and looking at digital channels or ways to intake or ingest the data more differently. We're also looking at thinking about the interplay between tax practitioners and financial services institutions and the IRS and looking at some of those lockbox entities and how can we convert incoming paper returns and paper correspondence into a digital format immediately once it's received. And that's kind of helping us along that journey towards eventually going completely digital or digital first with some of these processes. Um, and then kind of uh, uh, last category is looking at, again, the technology specifically. Again, there's overlap and interplay between all these policy and business process and technology type of pilots or initiatives that we have. But from the technology space, I think we're an initiative we're going to have soon is have a requirement or kind of a use case or a test study for looking at kind of AI-driven intelligent document management kind of on the front end, uh, looking at things like optical character recognition or intelligent character recognition, so we can extract quickly and accurately extract data off of documents that maybe have, are of poor quality or low-resolution images, but then also being able to look at how can we leverage AI and things like machine learning and predictive analytics to better analyze and understand the data that we're getting off of those documents and make meaningful use of it. So again, those are those are some of the key examples and things that we're looking at right now. As you can see, there's a there's a lot a lot to do and a lot to focus on. But the IRS team is doing a fantastic job, and really excited to see what the future holds. Nice, and you know some of those things that you mentioned are definitely issues that other agencies have as well. And when we're talking about automation and AI, and especially with your knowledge and the procurement side of things, it seems like there's some uh, lessons learned that you guys are going through with other entities or trying to figure that out how to best leverage that stuff over at IRS. So it sounds promising. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it does. And that's a great point. And I think that, you know, we can't operate in a vacuum, right? I mean, I think the IRS is certainly one of those high impact service providers that is very high touch with taxpayers, but we're not the only one. I mean, you think about other agencies such as the Social Security Administration, the Department of Veterans Affairs, FEMA, or the Small Business Administration, particularly with the small business assistance or disaster relief efforts. Uh, it's really important to coordinate with some of those cross-functional, cross-agency type of groups. So 
we're certainly engaging uh, with those and trying to share any of our lessons learned or initiatives in case it's helpful for others. But we also have a lot to learn from others. So we're, we're always asking questions and seeing what's available and trying to participate in some of those government-wide forums, such as the Federal RPA Community of Practice, the Federal Artificial Intelligence Community of Practice, and those other groups have been very, very meaningful, particularly with COVID, for all of us to continue to push the innovation envelope and learn from each other. Right. And you mentioned this already, but legacy tech, you know, that's an ongoing battle across government. You certainly hear about the efficiencies that come about of decommissioning that kind of stuff. How are you looking at legacy tech and how is the new office going to explore, you know, what the future looks like with or without it? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's another, that's another really important question and, and topic that we think about every day. So I do think about even from the case management side, they're looking at, I think there's over 60 legacy systems across the IRS and approximately 300 business processes that impact about 45,000 different users across the IRS. So IRS has uh, just under 80,000 employees total. So, I mean, the size and scope of, of our technology footprint is massive. So I think from there, I really try to keep in mind, I think uh, JFK, had, President JFK had a great quote. Uh, it was uh, that leadership and learning are indispensable to each other. Um, and it, it's really uh, more true now than more than ever. So we really try to focus on having a test and learn approach in the, the digitalization case management office and really try to focus on that continued learning and innovation, but really trying to be intentional and from there really being modular and incremental when, whenever possible. So how can we bite off small, manageable chunks, take a small, you know, a reasonable amount of time, reasonable amount of money, reasonable at our risk, and explore some of these technologies that are out there that could potentially help us modernize um, and improve the way that we do business. So. So one, one kind of um, manifestation or example of that, something that we take from my previous time at the procurement office that the team helped put together was this concept called Pilot IRS. And uh, Pilot IRS was a streamlined procurement and phased funding approach for quickly identifying, testing, and evaluating, and ultimately deploying emerging tech across the IRS. So that is a concept, but then also a, a structure and a framework that we're trying to maintain and kind of carry with us philosophically as we build our new organization. And when we do have some of those specific use cases or pilot projects that we want to explore technology capabilities that are out there in the marketplace, that pilot IRS framework can help us kind of have that streamlined progression from a proof of concept to a prototype for testing to maybe limited deployment and then full deployment. So in other words, we don't want to go all in upfront, you know, and spend you know five years, $50 million on one contract or one technology or one tool when we're not quite sure exactly what we need or what's the best fit for the IRS architecture, IRS environment. So again, really trying to be agile and incremental whenever possible so that we can bring in these technologies and really have these as tools in the toolkit and leverage these technologies to really help extend the senses of the organization, if you will. That's what I really think about with predictive analytics or other data management tools to help us reach that end goal of having more seamless digital environments or a suite of digital tools that, that helps empower taxpayers and employees to rapidly resolve issues in a self-service way on their own. So that's a little bit of what we we're thinking about with kind of the legacy technology and where we are and where we're going and where we want to be. So it's a really important topic we think about every day. That's great to hear. Now, with the new office, how are you incorporating you know, feedback into the things that you're doing, whether it's from the customers or the public, or is the office in a position to really get that kind of touch points with, you know, the taxpayer? Yes, great. Yeah, great, great question. So uh, getting, 
identifying and understanding perspectives from all of our customers is critical, whether it's internal IRS employees or it's external stakeholders, taxpayers, industry partners, things like that. And really, really trying to keep in mind, you know, customer experience is a customer's perception of their interaction with an organization. So what are taxpayers' perceptions of their interaction with the IRS and what's going well, what's not going well, and what are the gaps and how can we develop strategies to fill those gaps and, and improve experiences? So we've heard definitely some some very positive feedback uh, so far, just as far uh, related to the establishment over enterprise digitalization case management office. So a lot of people are saying, yes, give me more of this, or I have a digitalization idea, you know, as a taxpayer, as a tax practitioner, or as an employee, some other things and jokes that people have said that I won't say here in this forum. <laughs> but, uh, um, but I do think getting that feedback and having those feedback loops and mechanisms is really key. I think that financial services are more important than ever during COVID and really just during the economic crisis. Individuals and companies, they're turning to accountants, actuaries, auditors to help keep their balance sheet strong during the storm. So money movement is a critical task in good times and bad. And so I think the IRS has to maintain those services and communications loops so we make sure that we're doing a good job and giving, giving the people the tools that they need to succeed and fulfill their obligations. Also, I think that customer expectations are evolving. I think that to your question earlier, I mean, I think consumers really want more of a digital or customer experience that they've grown accustomed to in their personal lives. So, you know, whether it's using an app like Uber or Netflix or commercial banking, I think customers are very loyal to some of these brands when they're happy with the experience that they're having across multiple factors. So I think about some of the, the CX surveys and questions that you'll see after you maybe purchase a product or receive a service. And they'll say, for example, on a scale of one to 10, how likely are you to, you know, recommend our company to a friend? So I think about that from the IRS standpoint, you know, can, can we put out a question that says on a scale of one to 10, how likely are you to recommend the IRS to a friend? Uh, so it, it doesn't quite work like that. Government CX is a little different than commercial CX because unlike car or transit companies or online streaming platforms or even those private banking firms, there is no substitute for the IRS, right? And we have a duty of the public and, and we have to get it right. Yep, definitely. During this pandemic, we've seen you know, everyone likes money, but we've seen how important government services are toward, uh, you know, that movement and the digital experience of everything we've been going through over the past year. So looking ahead, you know, after the pandemic, you know, once the office kind of gets into the groove of things and meeting some of its milestones, possible tech shifts regarding work environments, you know, a new administration, what are you most looking forward to in the short term? Yeah, great question. I think, you know, in the short term, I think the IRS is going to continue focusing on improving the taxpayer's experience and really trying to reach some of those underserved communities. I think that part of that can be done by expanding digital services and really looking at that omni-channel customer experience and providing some of those self-service channels to taxpayers and really increasing availability and accessibility and, and kind of amplifying our ability to reach taxpayers with information they, they need, as well as creating more of that seamless experience. Also, I think we're, we're taking a more enterprise approach when we think about data management, advanced analytics, and things like that. So I do think that you know, we're, we're trying to respond to the pandemic, and that's certainly something that's very pressing and, and on our minds every day, but also trying to think ahead about what is, what is possible. And I often try to think about uh, historical crises for context, sometimes for comfort, because uh, historically crises have led to attitudinal shifts. And then long-lasting changes, such as new policies or new ways of working or new consumer behaviors, and they're often very positive. So, for for example, uh, I think about 9/11. Uh, 
very uh, uh, tragic event and, and uh, ongoing crisis, but that led to stricter aviation security, federalizing of the airports, standing up an agency like TSA. Example of new ways of working, I uh, think about World War II and more women joining the workforce than ever, and that was a very positive permanent change that has continued to this day. Also thinking about new ways of consuming, about the SARS outbreak in the early uh, 2000s, and that, that led to an increase in e-commerce and the rise of companies like Amazon and Alibaba. So, so while these, the current pandemic crisis is very unsettling and challenging, um, really try to think about historical crises in the past and how they led to some positive changes long-term. And so internally, I think we're really trying to stay focused on the future while also thinking about the future of the future, if you will, and, and always making sure we build for what's next. Wow, that is actually very insightful, you know, things that are contributing to some of the your mindset. I'm actually glad you shared that because I didn't really think about that before. You know, this is a terrible year, but look what happened after 9-11. Look what happened after tragedy. You know, we come together, we make things work, and government really delivers. So that's actually a fabulous point. Mm-hmm. No, thank you. All right, Mitch. Well, that about wraps up my questions. I'm sure I could have gone on and on, but I don't want to take up too much of your time. So thanks so much for giving us a look at the new office and some of the uh, work ahead at the IRS and the continuing modernization. It's really exciting stuff. Absolutely. It's great speaking with you, Amy. Thanks for having me and let me represent our team. GovCast is a production of Government CIO Media and Research. For more podcasts, head to our website. And please, if you liked what you heard, let us know by leaving us a review in iTunes. We continue to strive to help you connect with federal IT's top decision makers. Thanks for listening.